Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, this past week, there was a lot of news breaking in the land of pro wrestling. I'll say we had one of our first two uh, fantasy football drafts. Yes. I did I did particularly well, I like to think. Uh, I got a wide receiving core of Od- Od- Odell Beckham Jr., DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, and then I got A.J. Green on the bench. Yeah, it was one of those moments where the sporting world kind of took a backseat to the pro wrestling world. Yeah. And then I say, the fantasy football drafts have kind of been dominating the weekend. But we talked football all last episode, too. I know we went a little extra long because, well, let's face it, those football episodes we do here on the ODPH podcast are very lengthy because we try giving you as much information as we can with as much fresh takes as we can deliver. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Rich from 3FN for swinging through for that as well. So like I said, instead of doing the two separate episodes this time, we did one big one. So we're not going to deep dive into the NFL this week because, let's face it, right now is the calm before the storm. And pro wrestling really kind of snuck up on everybody and was the dominant headline this weekend. Because if you look around, playoff baseball is kind of getting set up. It's not yeah, there yet. Yeah, no, it's kind of going through its motions. You know, uh, rosters should be expanding here for September call-ups. You know, the minor league season's wrapping up, you know, here very shortly. You know, so things are kind of getting set. Teams are slowly getting eliminated. Uh, shout out to the New York Mets, who as of this recording have a record of 69-69, and 69, to which I say, nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, NBA's really got nothing going on. I mean, NBA, the only thing I saw out of the NBA the last couple of days was some dunk Russell Westbrook did in practice, which, to quote Alan Iverson, we're talking about practice. You're right. Not a game, practice. practice. You know, NHL's doing NHL things, you know, so nothing really game-breaking or news-breaking. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it's been kind of quiet. It's been such a quiet weekend in sports, and I know college football just kicked off, but unless we have your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy in studio – to really get the dissection down, we're going to kind of wait and just see. Maybe we can get some blogs from him. He did message and say we're going to get some from him this week. Mm. And where do you find out about that, Pad? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So everything that you want to find out about college football and some of the great blogs we have coming out this week, plus the social media links, the T Public Store, and everything that is the ODPH, you swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com for. I'll say the only thing I will say about college football, and I got to say this because my brother went to Army and I got a rib Navy. Uh, shout out to Navy who played over the weekend, had four almost 45 minutes time of possession for the game and only scored once. Yeah. And they lost. That's typical score, though, for their typical you know, system for them. Uh-huh, yeah, no, 45 minutes, time of possession, seven points put up, and they lost. Yeah. But yikes. I digress. It's the opening weekend of college football, and like I say, some storylines breaking out, but they were all taking a back seat this week to the land of pro wrestling, as I kind of was alluded to a little earlier in the show. And there was no bigger story this week than all elite wrestling's all out. Mm-hmm. Their biggest card of the year, stemming from Chicago. Yeah, their their most uh, bought 
pay-per-view, uh, reading from an article courtesy of Cultaholic.com. Uh, it says, All Out, quote, All Out takes the record from AEW Revolution 2021, which was headlined by the now infamous exploding barbed wire deathmatch between Kenny Omega and John Moxley for the AEW World Championship with a buy rate of around 160000 for the show. Double or nothing 2021 now slips uh, down to third place, which uh, with between 135000 and 150000 viewers having tuned in to watch the stadium stampede. Second match among other matches. So yeah, this one is now all out. 2021 is now the most bought pay-per-view in AEW history. And rightfully so. And that's why I say we're going to open up the first segment, breaking down the events that happened. So, Pad, let us recap all out, shall we? Yeah, so on the pre-show, they opened up with a 10-person tag match. uh, And you had Chuck Taylor, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, uh, along with Orange Cassidy uh, and Wheeler Wheeler Yuta, uh, taking on the team of Angelico. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy, uh, Jack Evans, Mark Quinn, and Matt Hardy. Uh, and you had the first group of guys I mentioned uh, defeat that team via submission in 8 minutes and 34 seconds. Yeah, this one kind of got shuffled a little around. It was a late announcement uh, we heard at the media scrum earlier in the week. So, obviously, with and um, Andrade and Pac getting removed from the original card because of uh, some situations that are going to actually run that match this Friday on AEW Rampage mm. on TNT. So 10 o'clock, if you want to go check that match out, I think it's going to be an absolutely fire one. Uh, this one, though, was kind of thrown together. And like I say, the Hardy family office, it's kind of a weird setup they have. Uh, Matt Hardy is basically the agent for all those uh, members of his teams, their private party and mm. the Butcher and Angelico and Jack Evans. It's kind of a weird setup. And then for best friends, which... Uh, Wheeler Yuta is kind of filling the role for Trent and teaming with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. And then, of course, Jurassic Express is one of their more well-known tag teams. Uh, This was just a solid match. It's fun, but it wasn't anything super noteworthy to write home about. Right. Except we did see the return of the Butcher, who made his long-awaited return. Uh, Albeit, though, the timing of this was kind of off. Sure. Because the match was over and the, the faces left. And the butcher went for a post uh, match beatdown mm-hmm. on, and then finally everybody came running back after. And I know That's that weird. I know we were talking on the stream because uh, obviously we were doing the live reactions on Twitch TV six oh seven podcast, and it was like, where did everybody go? Mm-hmm. Like that was a weird thing. Like yeah. everybody just left the ring, yeah. allowed the beatdown to happen, which I get. You know, you want to make a big debut, come back, sure, sure. But it just seemed like the timing was off on this one. But like I say, for an opening match, you know, pre show wasn't the worst thing I've seen. Right. And I mean, if you're going to have somebody come back and have the beat down and all that, like it would make more sense to have the, the guys out there and not leave because let's face it, there's 10 people here. Like you have more than enough people to keep occupied. So said person making their return can just kind of come in and, and run house. Yeah. But I think that they want to get the Chicago crowd ready to rock and roll because I know that they were excited. I mean, like I said, there was so much buzz going about this show. They wanted to deliver. And like I said, the timing was a little off on this one. But it did get better as the show officially kicked off. Uh, yeah, and that kicked off with the uh, AEW TNT Championship uh, being defended by Miro against uh, going up against Eddie Kingston. Uh, and you had Miro retain his uh, championship, defeating uh, Kingston via pinfall in 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Okay, so this match I was super excited about because I'm a huge Eddie Kingston fan. I think that if anybody is the heart and soul of AEW, it's Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. And I know that the fans are really behind him. And I know I put on the our latest edition of Blocks Count Anywhere on Parlay Points. Yeah. This was a time to give him the belt. I understand that Miro, since coming over from the WWE, 
has finally found his groove, I guess you can say, that he's finally having these big monster moment matches, albeit though his promo work is very, very unique, and I'll put that mildly. Sure. That I just don't know if it's really connecting with the fans to get him over that much. Mm -hmm. Eddie is over. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eddie did a throwaway line, redeem these nuts, and it's now a very well-selling shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, and that was literally in the course of 24 hours. Oh, yeah. So... Where is the momentum of the AEW crowd? Well, it's behind Kingston. And this match was solid for what it was going to be. It was going to be a brawl. We got that. Albeit, though, it was a very weird moment in the match because during the course of action, the turnbuckle pad was torn off. Sure. And Miro was getting thrown into it, but the referee jumped in front to protect him, Hmm. which... I really, odd. I thought it was kind of odd. Like, if you want to try doing some different storytelling, because usually referees, yeah. you know, they somehow, yell, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, yeah, they, they somehow yeah. miss it. You know, yeah. it doesn't happen. So he wind up making the save on Miro. And then when Kingston came in, he got a low blow from behind mm. for his effort. And then gotcha. that allowed Miro to make the quick, you know, turn around to get the win. So that being said, that was the only thing I really didn't like about this match. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see him run it back because I think Kingston, now is the time to strike with him if you're going to give him a, a singles title. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fully. Like, Miro is there. Could he go back and forth and you do like a best of seven series? Yeah, you could do something like that if you wanted to. But I just think that you have to move the belt to Kingston while it's hot. And I think that if he, they had done that, that crowd would have exploded. Oh, easily. And and I know it's it's a commonplace thing to have, you know, the hot over baby face, you know, kind of trials and tribulations. And, oh, they just can't seem to win it. You know, the Peyton Manning effect just can't seem to win the big one Mm -hmm. to finally get it. Oh, my God, finally, it's such a release. Oh, thank you. know, awesome. But, like, you also don't want to drag that out too long because then you get to the point where people won't believe it's actually going to happen. Yeah. And then they won't care. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of the problem they had. But this one definitely told a little good story. And like I say, it was it was a good opener. I just hated the ending. And that's sure. what sticks out to me about this one. Sure. Uh, next up, you had John Moxley take on uh, Satoshi Kojima, uh, defeating him in 11 minutes and 55 seconds. And, and I got to say something to the internet wrestling folks. Uh, this isn't anything in anger. This is just me griping because y'all confused the shit out of me whenever I opened Twitter and read the name. People were just calling him by his last name, Kojima. Every time they were just saying Kojima, my video game brain kept thinking of Hideo Kojima, who made the Metal Gear Solid series. And I'm like, wait, why is John Moxley wrestling the guy who made the Metal Gear Solid series? Oh, wait, it's not him. Right. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's you have to know the legend from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which they did a Forbidden Door match. Yeah. And that's one thing that you got from John Moxley, which this one was very predictable. I didn't spend a lot of time getting into it because, let's face it, Kojima is not the star that he was. No, probably not. So this was kind of just a, I don't want to say filler match, but it kind of was in the sense that you knew Moxley was going to go over, that he wasn't going to lose this one. Because one thing that they've really been trying to push with AEW, and I'll give them credit for it, that they're at least trying to paint the narrative that there's a forbidden door and anything can happen. Albeit, though, if you want my honest opinion, Impact does it a million times better. Yeah. I digress. But this match was pretty solid for what you were expecting. And then at the end of the match, after Moxley gets the pin, and it was a solid match, too. Got to say, Kojima was still going at a pretty good level. So it wasn't a bad match at all. But once the smoke cleared, we did get somebody to confront Moxley. Oh. And that wasn't Nick Gage, which if you watch Game Changer Wrestling, the Art of War games, which was fantastic. 
And I highly, 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 highly recommend you go check that card out because it was great. I can't speak enough good things about Game Changer Wrestling. I honestly thought Nick Gage was going to come out because now that they have booked the uh, rematch or the match for the GCW title, since John Moxley is your GCW champion. So I did see that. I did see uh, his wife uh, holding the belt while he was asleep. Yes. And he actually came out wearing the GCW hoodie, which is available, nice. which is available right now. So. They have booked that match between Gage and Moxley for Atlantic City October 9th, New York Comic Con weekend. Oh, okay. So we'll be watching from the hotel room. So that night. Of, side note, speaking of GCW, shout out Joey Janela for giving uh, uh, Dave Meltzer a plant. Yes. Uh, Dave is coming around to it. I mean, it looks like he's finally coming around to GCW, which is smart. But no, we did not get Nick Gage. We got the NJPW legend, Minaro Suzuki. Who came down, the fans were singing his theme song too, which was fan. Like I say, that moment, if you follow NJPW, mm-hmm. was amazing. Is, is Moxley going to turn into like, you know, the AEW version of Randy, just be like the New Japan legend killer? Because I'm, I'm looking at uh, Kojima's uh, page here on ProfiteDB.com. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, Match probably wasn't the greatest, but he's also turning 51 in seven days' time. Yeah. And and according to ProFightDB.com, he has 2,584 matches under his belt with 130 of them being on pay-per-view. And he's got uh, promotions re- promotions wrestled from the likes of AEW, as we, as we know, uh, CMLL, uh, Impact Wrestling, MLW, uh, obviously New, New Japan, you know, the NWA, ROH, you know, TNA slash Russell one, you know, and, and a whole bunch of others. So, like the dude is very well traveled and very well known. And now the, they bring in this other guy to face Moxley. It sounds like Moxley's going to be the New Japan legend killer. Oh, well, I think to a certain degree, I think one thing that they really want to connect is he's still wrestling for New Japan pro wrestling, right? That it's the forbidden door and who he's fighting from there. It's kind of like slowly warming up the AEW audience that if they don't know who's in NJPW, sure, they will by the time. Sure, but albeit though, Suzuki is the one that really jumps off the the charts. Sure, and I know that he's going to be making the rounds on the indie scene. I know he's got some dates lined up for GCW. Sure, but this match and seeing him come out and like I tell you what, if, just go to the internet if you're not familiar with Minoru Suzuki, you will not be disappointed. He is. Oh, freaking awesome because i think the only one they could do that would blow the lid off the internet and whatever arena they happen to be in but they can't because he's retired is jushin thunder liger well there's a couple gentlemen they could bring in okay and there's uh, it's very noteworthy because a, a few are stateside like rich mentioned this on the on the stream sure will osprey is in right in the states right. jay white is in the states if right. they really want to do it but it, it was just kind of interesting to see who they're bringing in just a little bit from the Forbidden Door. And I applaud him for trying to get in. And the Suzuki one is the one that's really selling me. Yeah. Like Kojima, like you touched him on, is in you know the, the latter half of his wrestling years. Sure. So it wasn't something, even though they had a great match. Like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't yeah. disappointed at all. But it was one of those that it's just, it's not the moment right now. Okay. Suzuki, I don't care, is freaking still Suzuki. At this stage is still a big moment when you saw him hit the screen and when he came walking out. And like I said, they kind of had the little spirit test. And then once he hit the gosh pile driver, it was oh, like, yeah. all right. There, there's something about being an athlete in various sports with the last name of Suzuki that just makes you like the ageless wonder and able to do your craft for seemingly long years, well past the point you should be able to do them. Ichiro Suzuki, longtime baseball player, fantastic player. 
uh, played amazingly well past the point you would think he would. Mm-hmm. And now you look at this Suzuki and Pro Wrestling going on still amazingly. Yes, and they're going to have their match this Wednesday on Dynamite. So rest assured, if I wasn't watching Dynamite already, I am tuning in for this because Minoru Suzuki on my television screen is must-watch. Next up, though, Pat. Uh, was for the AEW Women's Championship, and you had Chris Statlander uh, challenge Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, for her uh, championship. Uh, and you had Britt Baker uh, retain her title via pinfall, uh, winning in 11 minutes and 33 seconds. Okay, so this match was very solid. Uh, Statlander was kind of an interesting choice to have mm-hmm. face Baker at the show. I and We've talked about this many times on 607TWS. They should have had the rematch with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Sure. Like, that's what AEW should have done. So Statlander gets plugged in here, and it was a solid match, I got to say. I mean, it wasn't anything that really stood out like a, a complete mm-hmm. barn burner. Let's say it won't go down in the in the halls as, like, one of the greatest women's matches of all time. No, but it was a good match. It, it definitely was. I In fact, I thought Statlander had a better match than I thought she was going to have. Sure. But... Baker is on fire right now. I mean, she is arguably their most over superstar. Oh, Argu- I, would, I would say so. Arguably, I mean, obviously with the debuts we'll talk about a little later in the show, it's you know room for discussion, but she is carrying that women's division right now into a new direction, which they, they need. And like I said, for them to have a good match like they did, and I, like I said, the only thing is the storyline wasn't there, mm-hmm. but it still was a great match. Like I say, I can't take that away from it, but I, albeit though, if they really want to go storylines, I think that that's where they should have gone with Rosa. But... Baker retains, kind of had a feeling that was going to happen, and we'll have to see what the fallout is going to be from here. Yeah. Uh, next up was for the AEW Tag Team Championship, where you had Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson defending their belts against uh, uh, Penta El Zero Mer- uh, Miedo and Ray Phoenix uh, in a steel cage match, which, goddamn spot fest if I ever have uh, seen those two together in a cage match. Yes. Uh, but you had uh, the team of Penta and Ray Phoenix uh, defeat the Jackson brothers to become your and new AEW tag team champions. The Lucha brothers finally got the gold. This is about damn time. This match is in the discussion for match of the year. Okay. It's in the discussion. It's not a lock by any means, but if somebody says... It, but it's all said and done. This is match of the year. I can't dispute him too much, right? Uh, but I think Walter Dragunov too is. Um, it's got the, my vote. It's the reigning champ right now. But this match, we had great storyline. The young bucks, and I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really care for the new gimmick. Um, in fact, I could not understand what was going on. In Nick Jackson's facial hair. Mm. I'm just yeah, yeah. Just whatever the deal is with them. They've been the unstoppable force since they won the belts. And to finally get a very hard-hitting, very fast-paced match, this is something I was clamoring for. It was not for the weak of heart. In fact, Penta took one of the nastiest, like, face shots. Yeah. And it literally looked like he was straight out of a horror movie. Like, mm. he was bleeding that bad. Like, his wow. his left eye looked completely all types of messed up. And it... Just goes to show the quality of these two teams. Like, they always have great chemistry together. This is yeah. the first time they've wrestled yeah. each other. But putting them in the ring in a cage definitely added a different element to it. And obviously, we did have a little uh, spot fest with the thumbtacks on the uh, sneakers. Yeah, I saw a photo of that. Yeah, which actually, like I said, Penta's face was definitely feeling it by the end of the night. It was uh, insane to see. 
But both teams looked really great in this match, and package pile drivers didn't, you know, didn't do the job that they needed to. But once Phoenix did the insane leap, which I'm glad it was just a crossbody. Right. Looking back at it, because yeah, Ray was flying all over that cage, and to see them get the W when it was all said and done, it was a great moment to see the crowd exploded. And it was, mm-hmm. like I said, to get this crowd into this match, and like I say, they delivered, they were hot for the entire moment of the show, it was truly a sight to be seen. And for the tag team wrestling, which is supposed to be the hallmark of yeah. AEW, yeah. this is the moment you go, like, why don't we see matches like this every week? Yeah. And it's not to say that the wrestlers aren't competing at a high level each week. And they're not trying, yeah. But it's just like we finally had great story. I mean, it was long overdue for the Bucks to lose. Sure. And to see now the Lucha Bros are tag team, and they should be on TV yeah. every week on Wednesdays. Oh, yeah. This is like a no-brainer. To see them where they're going to go with this, it's just a fresh new pair that they can have some great matchups with. And I'm very curious to see who they go with against next. Yeah, no, it's kind of surprising how much the AEW tag team division isn't like the hallmark of it. Because that, I remember, was one of the things when AEW got announced. It was like they were announcing who was going to be in it. And slowly over the course of time, you looked at some of the teams that were going in there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, between you had the Bucks and then you had you know Lucha Bros and then you had you know uh, the the LAX or whoever. Yeah, Santana Ortiz. San, Santana Ortiz went over there. FTR, and I'm looking like, God damn, there's there's some you know dream matches over there that like there's a lot of fucking talent over there. Mm-hmm. But like you think about it, you haven't really had all that much. Like yeah, you've got some stuff that stands out, but like you figure there'd be five star, hundred star dream matches every pay per view, and that's really not been the case well the one problem that i think they've had is they get into this formula for the bucks and especially since they turned heel this formula definitely stands out Mm -hmm. is there's a lot of matches that turn into complete spot fest mania and really takes away from the storytelling and since they've been heel it's pretty much okay we win by nefarious means post-match beatdown by the good brothers and kenny omega and whoever else is here with us yay we win and go home and it kind of, I think, has turned off some fans a little bit. Sure. Because, let's face it, I, I tune out when I see them wrestle on Dynamite because I'm like, well, it's going to be the same old thing. And it is. Right, because well, we've seen them both on TV and in person for, like, 15 years now. Yeah. And it's not to say they're still not uh, one of the best tag teams in the world. They still are. Oh, yeah. But it's almost to the point it's like, okay, they need to do something to switch it up a little bit. And the whole storyline they were doing of the new elite or whatever you want to find them as, it, I think it was just it needed them to take a loss at some point. Yeah. Because they've been beating everybody down defiantly so it's almost to the for point so long of, now. It's almost to the point of LOL, Cena wins. Kind of. It, really, that's a great analogy for it. And that's one thing that with the Lucha Brothers finally winning, this definitely changes things up. I don't want to see an immediate rematch. I'd like to see them face somebody new. A Santana Ortiz feud would be amazing to me. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know where we're going to see happen from here, but all I know is we got NU. I was super stoked about it, and this match delivered on all fronts. Ray Phoenix is a bona fide superstar. If you're not familiar, get familiar. Why, after this, if he doesn't get a singles title push, I don't is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, next up was your Casino Battle Royale, and it was involving the ladies of uh, AEW. And you had Abaddon, Anna Jay, Big Swole, Diamante, Emi Sakura, Hikaru Shida, Jade Cargill, Jamie Hayter, Kiara Hogan, Kylin King, Layla Hirsch, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, Rebel, Red Velvet, uh, Rio, Sky Blue, 
Tay Conti, The Bunny, and Thunder Rosa all participating. But it was that, of course, in Casino Battle Royale, everyone comes out in suits and four, you know, four suits, and then you got the Joker, the wild card at the end. Who's it going to be? I know there's a lot of speculation. I particularly liked what I think you tweeted, that it was going to be the Iconics doing the old cartoon gimmick where they're standing on each other's uh, shoulders with a trench coat. Not going to lie. Hope that was going to happen because it'd be funny as shit and I'd have been in tears. Did not happen, though. Uh, as a lot of people predicted, again, this was kind of like CM Punk debuting in Chicago. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Uh, you had Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot in WWE, uh, making her AEW debut and uh, defeating all of those women I mentioned uh, to win the Women's Casino Battle Royale. I'm a huge Ruby fan. I think the absolute world to her. And to see her get the spotlight, I was excited to see her come out as a Joker because she can definitely have some dream matches mm-hmm. in AEW. I don't even need to see her fight Britt Baker right away. I really don't. In fact, give me her versus Thunder Rosa yeah. in a feud to start. I like, because I didn't watch the pay-per-view, but I saw the gif of her reaction after she won. And and just she she was on her hands and knees after it won, and then she popped up on her knees. She was still on her knees, but her you know her upper body popped up, and just the utter joy on her face, and just the scream and the smile on her face. And she hugged the fucking ref. Yeah, was it, I just love seeing the reaction that like, hey, this is somebody who has been through some stuff that didn't exactly like where her character was going. She clearly is in a place now that she's excited and she's happy, and I'm happy for her. Well, you have to think about it when she came up from NXT. I mean, she definitely was making some noise with the Riot Squad. And I think that at the time, WWE just didn't really know what to do with them. Sure. And obviously, they she had some injury, a very, very bad injury that sidelined her for many months. And when she came back, it was kind of like, where are we going from here? And then at this point, too, they started doing their layoffs. And they decided to go in a different direction. And seeing Ruby, who was very emotional about getting released, it was a very down moment for me as a fan because I love seeing her in the ring. I think that she does amazing work. And it was a question of where was she going after this? And you yeah. heard of, you heard the story that she was reaching out to Lars Fredrickson from uh, Rancid. And, mm-hmm. and when she was saying about it, she was going to use the name Ruby Soho, he was like, you got to use, use the song. And was immediately sure. like, you know, we'll make this happen. And to see her come out, and that was just a genuine reaction. Yeah. Like it, there wasn't anything that felt forced about it. Like she came back out and was embraced by the AW fans. Everybody was waiting to see where she was going to sign. And to see her come in, and she had a great showing. Yeah. And to see the possible matchups we have from here, I mean, she's a big name to land in that women's division. Oh, yeah. And I, like, I'm personally excited to see where she's going to go from here. The, the whole concept about the Casino Battle Royal, I think, is weird. Just yes. because yes. Just because of how you have five wrestlers come out at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that's weird of how they yeah. have that set up. But to see the the big reveal, I mean, obviously when the Joker comes out, you know it's a big reveal. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that took away too much from the match because we were expecting somebody big and they delivered on it. And the rest of the match, like I say, was very, very good for a battle royal. I thought the chemistry she had with Rosa was great. And that's why I said I immediately, like, I don't need to see sure. her fight Britt Baker. I know she's got a title shot locked up because she won. I don't need to see that right away. In fact, I really don't want to see that right away. I'd rather we wait till double or nothing next year. That's what I'm going to call my shot about that. I'd rather see Ruby have some dream matchups right now. Sure. Like I said, the two people that jump out to me, Thunder Rosa and, and Chris Stadlander. That's the two people I want to see her fight right away. But solid debut. I'm still marking out about it. And to see Ruby now at a new home and getting ready to go kick some ass, I'm super stoked about. Uh, next up, you had Chris Jericho taking on MJF in a career-threatening match, wherein uh, if Chris Jericho lost in any way, career's over. Done. 
hanging up the boots. Uh, and during the match, you did at one point have Chris Jericho, quote unquote, lose, you know, or I don't, what was it, like a pin, three count? Something? So what happens here is. And, and if you were new, you didn't see this coming, but if you had watched any amount of wrestling, I didn't watch the goddamn thing and I knew this was going to happen. Well, let, let's just give a little background history to this. This whole feud has been going on way, way, way too long. I'm sorry, folks. I have tuned out from it because we have been having MJF versus Chris Jericho factions or no factions going on for so many months now. It feels like fight forever for all the wrong reasons. This is just something that when they got in the ring and the payoff was after Chris Jericho and the inner circle had defeated MJF in the pinnacle. And when they got, you know, they've been going back and forth so much, you forget that, okay, at Blood and Guts, the pinnacle had won. Right. Because they've had two blow-off matches already. See, this is how confusing it is because yeah. they literally have fought each other forever. You, you forget who's on top and where the stipulations are. And since MJF has been undefeated against Chris Jericho in his tenure in AEW prior to, MJF made him run through the labors of Jericho. Well, Sam, I'm looking at Chris Jericho's ProfiteDB.com uh, page. Like, literally, uh, he was involved with matches. This, this was tag teaming, but, like, he was involved in matches, you know, back in December of last year. Uh, January with the partner with MJF on the December 23rd, again on the January 20th, then on January 21st, you know, then again on February 3rd, then again on February 4th, you know, and, and, and then he partnered with him again on March 7th. So like they were involved in, with matches with each other for essentially three months. Like what the shit? Well, that's the one problem that we have is they keep going back and forth to to fight each other because it was the whole thing about MJF was trying to break into the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Then he couldn't. Then he got exposed for trying to do it. Then he brought in the pinnacle, and then it was faction warfare, stadium stampede. Then we- the stadium stampede match took place on May thirtieth of yeah. twenty twenty one. Then you had the labor five labors of Jericho, which wasn't involved with MJF, but he was still there and showing up. You had those take place on July 21st, July 28th, August the 4th, August the 11th, you know, and then uh, August the 18th. Yeah. So, so that went on for another month. Yeah. Like it's, it's, so, so in its all essence, he's been involved with MJF for the last six months. If not more. I mean, they, they've still been teasing the, the back and forth. Like I say, this has gone on way too long. And like I say, we've already had the two blow-off matches, so this should have been done. The only thing that we've had now is since Jericho lost after he got to the fifth labor, which was MJF because I do Steiner math and that's how we got there, and he lost it, he put his career on the line. Where we got on this match, it was a good match for what we were expecting from it. Mm -hmm. However, though, it was a situation where MJF hit Chris Jericho with his baseball bat Right. And thus he technically hit him with the Judas effect, but Jericho's foot was allegedly on the rope when the ref counted three. And then suddenly as the crowd is booing, a second ref came down yeah. and overturned the decision. But, but I but I thought the ref's decision was final. Well, that's what we all said because now I'm starting the hashtag justice for Eddie Kingston because the referee did not see the egregious error that happened there. Uh-huh. So why so why is it allowed there and it's not here? I digress. It's what pad Reasons. So then we go into the next half of this uh, match. Yep. 
where Jericho has new life. He's put into MJF's arm bar, and then he winds up sneaking it out, so thus he gets the lion tamer on, and then he saves his career. So this was just one of those situations. It's like, why? Yeah, like you, you knew he wasn't going to lose and end his career like that. You yeah, know, yeah. you knew at one point along the way that it was going to happen. Where oh my god, he lost. It's all over. But oh, hey, shenanigans ensue, and and it's not over. So it, it's it's just yeah, at this point. Like I expect a lot out of Jericho, being that you know he turns fifty one in November. He's been in the ring for a lot of years, and he's got a great mind. I mean, Chris, you look at the, you know, the reinvention he did of himself in the last five years, you know. But to see this and just to see how it comes, even not watching the thing, I'm like, this is just bad. Well, it's just puzzling of why we're going to still go here. And now the situation you have is MJF, who should have been done with this feud, retire Chris Jericho, and now go on to a for a title belt because he's long overdue. Look at rankings matter. Well, look at his ranking. Nuff said now is probably going to start up another feud to get back at Chris Jericho because reasons. Yeah. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. I It's not working at this stage because now you're getting to a point where you're turning your fan base off because we've seen this now for at least seven months. It feels longer. Right. You've had two blow-off matches with your faction, which, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even know if the inner circle is still a thing. I saw everybody's wearing their biker vest, so I'm guessing that is. But the pinnacle, I don't know what is going on there. Yeah. You're now going to hit, you know, hit the reset. And the only thing that I will say I'll be happy about for a week is if Jericho makes MJF go through five labors of Jericho hmm. and we get Nick Gage back. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But... I, I don't think that'll happen just because it's so soon after they did the five labors of Jericho. That would just be rehashing the story, and I don't think people would like that. I hope, But, you know, but that's the problem, though. We've been rehashing this storyline instead of having growth. Like, if Jericho retired and went to well, the I mean, commentating booth, they could have got out of it. No, yeah, I mean, there's rehashing a storyline, and then there's literally redoing the same matches, like, a month after you just did them. Yeah, but... Like, I like I get continuing the feud and this and that. Like, I'm like, okay, long in the tooth, but, like, there's that, and then there's literally redoing the same matches. Yeah, but I'm saying they've done that, though. That's... Well, so what the hell's going to be, the, you know, the fifth labor of, of, of MJF? He can't use a scarf? Like I say, they'll they'll find something kind of cheesy to do it because I I fully sense that's going to happen. Because if I'm in, if I'm MJF, I'm literally going like I've literally spent the three fourths of a year now feuding with the same opponent, and it's not getting me anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now we have more people that are joining the company. Where is my spot here? And mark my words, when his contract's up with AEW, he's going to WWE. You can make that a lock right now. Time stamp it. I can say it. Because why is he going to keep doing this if he's not going to be anywhere near a title? I'll say normally when you face a veteran of the industry like a Jericho, it's a feather in your cap. It, it, it pumps up your, your resume a little bit. It looks mm-hmm. good. Feather in the cap. What is MJF getting out of this? Like, okay, yeah, he's getting experience and he's getting ring time. And I'm sure he's soaking up any information Jericho gives him in the off time when they're practicing or whatever. You know, so it's benefiting him in that way. But in terms of his career, what the hell is he getting out of facing Jericho for seven months? Well, that's the problem. It's kind of gotten to the point where it's stagnant and you're losing interest. And I, like I said, I had a feeling that they were going to do that with Jericho because he's too over with the crowd. I get that, but at the same time, yeah, you got to do something for storyline purposes. Like you could have found a way to bring him back in. Like there, oh, sure. there could have been something for that. Sure. But 
Now I'm telling you, in my opinion, MJF's good as gone as soon as that contract is up because seriously. Jericho versus MJF, nine times the charm. Yeah, if this happens again, because I I don't see him getting pushed for either title belt right now. No, there's no way. Unfortunately. No. What's he going to do, go for tag team? I don't know about that. Yeah, no. I don't know. The future is getting a little murky with everybody joining, so we'll have to kind of wait and see how MJF shakes out. Uh, Yeah, so next up you had one of, if not the most anticipated matchups of the night, uh, with Darby Allin taking on CM Punk, making his pro wrestling return after many, many years. Uh, And you had Punk uh, emerge victorious, pinning Darby Allin in 16 minutes and 8 seconds. So we talk about people making their debuts and kind of filling up the main event spot here. Uh CM Punk is leading that charge right now. Absolutely. And the crowd was very into him. He came out. He looked good for being out for seven years. He looked good in the ring. Uh, This match copied a lot of the themes from Bret Hart versus the 1-2-3 kid from years ago. I saw some of that online, yeah. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Like, listen, Punk is a student of the game. I will say for record, this was Darby Allen's best match I've ever seen him in. Sure. Because Punk was leading the dance. Darby was not doing too many Darby crazy dive bumps, break your neck and all that jazz that he right. usually winds up doing, which I've I've said many times and I'll say it again. I wish he would not go for broke every single match in that aspect. I do want to see him have a long career, but some of those bumps, man, are going to take years off. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But Punk wound up slowing the match down, having a good back and forth with him, and this definitely lived up to the billing. Once Punk got his GTS on, it was all over. So like I say, there was a lot of good things to take away from this match. Punk looked good. Okay. Darby came out of this looking very good. Sting got in the ring, and we did not have a weird face-off because I was fearing and dreading, and we still might have it. I'm just hoping I'm, not. Th- I'm still thinking it's going to happen. I don't want to see Sting for CM Punk. I just I don't care. That's, that's not doing anything for me. But there's a lot more to take away as a win. So I'm not going to say this was anything wrong. This was a good feel-good moment. And see Punk still have a lot to go in the ring. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, next up was uh, the co-main event of the evening, although arguably the most anticipated matchup of the night. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, 73 and a third percent of people polled on Twitter. You just have to take my word for it. Don't go looking for the percent. Said this was the best match of the night. You had QT Marshall taking on Paul White. Barn burner of a match, folks. Paul White emerged victorious in three minutes and 12 seconds. If I wasn't on stream, I would have got up and did something else. I, I'm sorry. Like, listen. Was this was this longer or shorter than Lesnar versus Goldberg? This was longer. Oh, God. And I, nothing, against, hey. nothing against Big Show. Big Show's a legend. But there is nothing about this match that made me care. And I'm sorry. Like, he's like Big Show is now in AEW. Great. I hope he does a lot to help that locker room. And he's got a lot of intangibles he can definitely bring to oh, yeah. a young locker and room. And he can definitely pass on a lot of knowledge. Yeah, so that's why I say like it, it makes sense there. But to see him in the ring against QT, like I just think I care about that. I don't care about the feud. I'm just I'm not sold on the whole uh what uh Nightmare Family versus Factory or like whatever the faction warfare is there. I just I just let's, let's call it what it was, a piss break. Yeah, exactly. So nothing really to write home about. But however though, the one thing that caused the most buzz of the weekend, Pad, let's get uh, into it. Uh was uh the main event that took place between Christian Cage uh taking on Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. And I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I saw online uh, earlier in that night that the Bucks had lost their belts, and of course Kenny Omega had lost his Impact slash TNA championships earlier this year, like what, like a month or so ago. Uh, I, given the fact that the Bucks had lost the belts earlier in the night, I thought he might lose. 
I thought we might go from Kenny all belts to Kenny no belts. You know, the Bucks had lost their belts. I thought we'd go from, all oh, the Elite's got all the belts, too. Yeah, they ain't got shit. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, Kenny Omega emerged victorious, pinning Christian Cage in 21 minutes and 21 seconds to retain his AEW World Championship. Well, I had a feeling this was going to end the way it did. And, sure. and I, I, I agree with you. I thought maybe Kenny Omega might lose. However, I didn't. The minute Christian Cage was locked in for this uh, main event, I knew he wasn't losing twice. Sure. Like, that's the thing. Like, they did the great move. Christian Cage won the Impact World title. Okay, you, were you really going to have Christian Cage get pushed that highly up there? I could see it, but I didn't see it. I was like, no, they're not going to do this. This was supposed to be Hangman Adam Page's spot, and I mean, he's... Who, I'm looking at the card, uh, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, there was a lot of speculation about him taking time off during this match, so or this time period. So, okay. So that being said, they plugged in Christian Cage, and... You know, Christian is Christian. Sure. He's WWE legend coming back in, but this wasn't enough to really say, okay, we're going to make a big change at the top level. If Paige was there, it would have made a lot more sense because storyline and he, along with MJF, your cornerstones of young, quote-unquote, homegrown talent, if you really mm-hmm. want to say that, why you're not pushing them in the world title pictures or TNT title pictures, I don't get. And I like I say, it's going to come back to haunt them in the worst way possible in the long run. But this match was what it was with Christian and, and Omega, and it had some very good back and forth, albeit, though, hitting the one-winged angel from the top rope. You knew it was game over, no questions about that. Uh, Kenny Omega delivered another great match, but that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And then after the match, though, well, this is what got the internet all types of buzzing. Mm-hmm. Because, well, we didn't have the post-match beatdown after the Bucks match, but ha-ha! We got it here. Yep. Because we had the elite come in and attack Christian Cage after the match. So we had the locker room try making a save, Jurassic Express, because there's a whole weird partnership going on yeah. there. And then Kenny Omega cuts a promo and basically says, Nobody can beat me. Because uh, the only people that could, I'll paraphrase a little bit, are retired or dead. Or not in that company. Yeah. And the lights go out. At this point, we are all expecting one person, but. We get the shock of shocks. Pad, who comes out? Hornswoggle. No. I'll be able to, that would be a freaking amazing shock. Right. It turns out to be Adam Cole. Baby. Bay. And he comes down to the ring. Crowd is losing their mind. I was completely stunned. And I, get, well, I, to be honest, I wasn't. You know, just because, it, like, to get in, peek behind the curtain a little bit. It was reported uh, over the inter- over the on the internet over the weekend that one of his sticking points was he wanted to keep his Twitch channel, and he had even said as much during a live stream he did about a month or so ago that like, hey guys, you know I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. I love streaming. I love talking with you guys and playing games. I'm never gonna quit streaming. That like that was such a sticking point that WWE it sounds like wasn't gonna budge on it. So I'm like, I wasn't surprised at all. Well, I kind of was, but we'll get into that a little bit next segment, is we knew his contract had officially run out. Yep. However, it was very uncertain where he was going. I know AEW kind of had the feeling that he was coming to sign with them, but nothing was set in stone. And once we saw him hit the screen, I was legit shocked. Mm -hmm. I was legit shocked. And then we see him side with the Elite. Because, of course. Because they have a lot of history from the Indies and Ring of Honor and such. So yeah. it made sense to do, but that wasn't the only surprise we had because once the heels are getting the upper hand, 
Somebody else makes a debut. Mm-hmm. And that is? Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Yes, the wrestler formerly known as Daniel Bryan comes out on the stage and makes his way down to the ring. Mm-hmm. And thus, that we have the big standoff with Jurassic Express and Cage fighting the elite off. Crowd is losing their minds. Yeah. And then the show ends. Okay, I came out to a to Flight of Valkyries, not his WWE theme, but the actual song Flight of Valkyries. Yes, folks, that is a real song. That isn't something, you know, somebody in WWE music made for him. That's a real song. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it dropped into something else. And I know a lot of people online were going, why didn't he come out the final countdown? That's what he did in his indie days. Ah. There's a very specific reason. Uh, I'm going to guess Europe hates that song so much that they have rate the price on licensing the song is so astronomically high that you have to be stupid to license the song. Uh, as has been reported by Dave Meltzer, and we know uh, your opinion of Dave Meltzer, we know Rich's opinion of Dave Meltzer. Uh, not the friendliest. But Dave Meltzer did say that the uh, price for licensing Europe's The Final Countdown was just a little too high, even for Tony Khan's uh, liking, and as has been reported online, it is $50,000 in appearance to play that song. So, so if on a theoretical you know, spectrum, if, let's just say this week, shows up on Sunday, $50,000. Shows up on Wednesday, another $50,000. So we're already at $100,000 for the week for, mm-hmm. a, for a song that he, let's face it, he's going to be playing for what, like a minute, minute and a half, mm-hmm. if, if you're lucky. And then let's just say for grins and giggles, he comes out on Friday. You know, just to really give the AEW crowd fans everything he's got for the week. It's 150000 fucking dollars yeah. for a song. It's not like, oh, you pay the $50,000, you can use it for the year. No, that's for the time you want to use it. So suffice it to say, I don't think he'll be coming out to Europe's The Final Countdown anytime soon. No, I was actually kind of surprised they didn't have uh, our good friend Mikey Ruckus make a remix Maybe. for him. I mean, that still could happen. But the crowd goes home happy with a lot of debuts. So, Pat, final thoughts on All Out. I mean, good for them. It's, it's always good to see them do well and, and have a good pay-per-view. And it sounds like the fans enjoyed it. So, hey, good for them. Yeah, this had to be their best card to date, hands down. I gave it an A- minus for a grade. I think there's only a couple moments in the match is that I was just not a super fan of and involving the referees. But it wasn't like referee shenanigans, per right. se. But I just I didn't understand the storytelling. I hated the ending for Chris Jericho and MJF. I'm sorry, like, yeah. the wrong call was made there. And, in fact, the wrong call was made keeping the belt on Miro instead of Eddie Kingston. But the rest of the card delivered. We had a lot of big moments. The crowd was definitely buzzing. If you're into wrestling, this was dominating your social feed. Even if you were not, this was still making the rounds on Sports Center and Bleacher Report and anywhere you follow sports. I'm sorry. Like, this was a big deal because this has a lot of ramifications moving forward. Sure. And we're going to deep dive into that next segment. So we're going to sneak out for a quick break. But until that time, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What was your thoughts about AEW All Out? Did you watch it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's have that discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And let's keep up with the wrestling talk. Yeah. 
So obviously with AEW's all-out pay-per-view, mm-hmm. they definitely sent a lot of shockwaves throughout the wrestling world, and especially with two very big debuts that really caught the internet off guard a little bit and definitely turned it on fire at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because obviously we knew that CM Punk coming back, we've known that that was a long-standing rumor that was finally confirmed a few weeks back, and we knew the big match was going to go down at All Out. But the big ones that really shocked us had to be Daniel Bryant, or Brian Danielson, we should say formerly known as Daniel Bryant, Mm -hmm. and Adam Cole, Bebe. Because both wrestlers have been so tied with WWE that... When you hear about a wrestler's contract running out, you were kind of curious, like, okay, where are they going to get re-signed? Where are they not? And what does this mean moving forward? We know over the past few weeks that the WWE has been doing some house cleaning of their rosters. Yeah. And to see that certain superstars have been let go was kind of a shock to our system. However, though, when news has been breaking about Adam Cole, especially, and his contract running out and not getting renewed, we all kind of had a bit of a sense of uncertainty about where he was going to wind up. Mm-hmm. Finally confirmed that he's coming to AEW. This was a definite needle mover for the fans. So, Pad, that being said, what is your initial reaction to Adam Cole signing with AEW? I mean, I'm not entirely surprised. You know, enough time has gone on since had gone on since it got came out that his contract had run out. He'd agreed to do the one month extension to finish off, and he even said as much as like. You know, there was the rumor that, like, oh, people were surprised that his contract had run out and they thought he had another six months on it. He's, he was in the post, uh, post-show post media scrum, and Adam Cole said as much as himself that he, he was surprised his contract ran out and he thought he had another six months. You know, but he agreed to do the one-month extension to finish out the storyline he was doing with Kyle O'Reilly. He called one of his best friends. You know, but once that was over and done with and, and the match was over and he was kind of written off TV you know, for WWE. And of course he had that alleged meeting with Vince McMahon, you know, during SmackDown taping or whatever it was. And a lot of time had gone on that. Like I saw enough opportunities for him to debut on WWE's main roster. I would imagine it it would have been on raw because let's face it. SmackDown is loaded Mm -hmm. that it didn't happen. And, and the more it's one of those things that like the more time goes on that you think something's going to happen and it doesn't, you start to go, all right, it's not going to happen. And especially, like I said in the last segment, he had made a comment on his Twitch uh, channel a month or two ago that, like, hey, I love streaming with you guys. You know, I love hanging out with you guys and just interacting with you guys. I'm never going to quit streaming no matter what, which was very and a very interesting co- comment to make because at the time it wasn't known about his contract situation. Everyone figured because he had lost the NXT belt you know, that he was going to be going up to the main roster. It was a very interesting comment. And a lot of folks were interested because it's very well documented. What WWE's stance is on main roster stars, having Twitch channels, Mm -hmm. they don't like it. You know, they don't really let them do it, you know? So that was interesting. And and like I said, last segment, there was a a report over the weekend that one of the big sticking points was his Twitch channel. Yeah. That, that, that was, he wanted to keep doing that, you know, I, I wasn't surprised he let the contract lapse because, like you said, and I know Rich has said, this could be, given his age, you know, might be, you know, I don't know where he's at with his thought process on his career and how much longer he wants to go. It could have been, could be one of the last contracts he does where he's a full-time 
you know, wire to wire, constantly going guy that like he might take a step back after this and not and be, I don't want to say part time, but not as active, you know, so get your money, get your payday, get your paycheck. So the fact that he let his contract lapse and was going to do a Randy Orton or a Brock Lesnar and work multiple sides to get the best contract you can get mm-hmm. it's it's listen it's not anything sleazy or slimy it's it's a negotiating tactic sports athletes do it all the time you know look at moneyball i know that was well documented in moneyball of, of players doing that you know so i'm not into, i'm not entirely surprised you know he gets to be with his friends he gets to be with his his girlfriend fiance you know whatever his relationship is with brett yeah good for him you know it's an avenue and, and there's a lot of fun matches he could have over there yeah, for me, I mean, I'm just kind of more shocked that WWE let him go. To be truth be told, I thought that they had been grooming him to be one of the cornerstones for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had been treated very well, and he even said as much in the media scrum as well to the post. He said he had nothing but praise for WWE, and, mm-hmm. and he had he had nothing bad to say about them. And he just said that he wanted to really get back to – he saw the energy that was going on with his friends over here. And sure. he really liked what was happening. And he said it really wasn't that much of a no-brainer. I, Which, hey, listen, if he's happy, that's what matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, did I think he gets signed for less money? Yeah, I fully do. Could be. But if you're with your friends and it's a lot of fun opportunities, you don't really mind taking a yeah, pay I mean, I mean – it's in a situation like that, yeah, money does not matter. It's, no. it's what makes you truly happy. And for him, it was going to be a, in a place where he thought that he was going to be more comfortable, mm-hmm. and he has a real chance to make something happen. Albeit, though, I just watching from the outsider view, though, you are going to be in a mix of a main event roster that yeah. has now gotten a lot deeper. Yeah. So where are you going to fit in and stand out? I mean, yeah. that's going to be the ultimate question. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough just because, they're like we've said before, there's a lot of people on that roster that are main event people mm-hmm. that like, there's only so much time you can fill up. Dynamite's only two hours. Rampage is only an hour. You know, you, there's only, and I realize he's in the elite. He's friends with the EVPs, but like still, there's only so much time you can do. And when you've got a group of, what are they now? Like eight or nine, you know, you've got Omega box. That's three. And Anderson and gallows, as long as the forbidden doors is open. So that's five. You've got Cole makes six, so you're looking at like six people easy right now. Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do. So like you, you know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and go, oh, it's a bad decision. He shouldn't have done it. Time will tell. You know, we'll see where it goes. You know, but looking at it right now, I just don't see where he fits in right now, other than storylines with the elite. Well, that's gonna be the big X factor happening with him moving forward because, like you say, you're now competing with CM Punk, mm-hmm. who had a great debut and still is riding on a big wave of emotion. And I don't want to say he got overshadowed that night, but kind of sort of. He kind of did, yeah. Because AEW went all in with their debuts. And to say with Cole coming over, that was probably the biggest shock of the weekend because we knew his contract ran out. I know he was on WWE TV promoting uh, something on Friday. Uh, um, was it the action figures? That was the Mattel line, but that had been that had come out uh, after it aired on social media. That that was filmed months ago. Yeah, so I mean, I know that was running a little bit of speculation, but to see everybody kind of get say, okay, what was going to happen? And to be honest with you, I just didn't see him coming over because I just don't see where he would fit in right now into that main event picture when you have yeah. Kenny Omega still in there. 
You still have CM Punk who just came in. There's yeah. in the wild speculation about who else was coming. And then let alone, we did get the second debut that night mm-hmm. of Brian Danielson. Yeah. Which that is a very interesting one to me. Yeah, that that's interesting. But again, I'm I'm a little surprised and I'm not. Yeah. You know, just because it seemed he'd he really done everything he could in, in WWE. That my guess is if he would have stuck in WWE, he would have had a couple more another couple year contract before inevitably fading into like maybe a manager or like a trainer down at the performance center role. And and if he feels that, you know, hey, I don't want to do that, I've got plenty of years left ahead of me. Hey, good for you. I just don't, you know, given his medical history and his history of concussions, I hope he stays healthy. Yeah, same here. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, and I'm not sitting here going, oh, AEW's unsafe. Pat's saying AEW's unsafe. Pat's saying that Daniel Bryan's going to get concussions in, in AEW. No. His liability to get concussions is just as high as it would be in any other federation. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't care what three letters you're throwing on my television. Oh, absolutely. It's it's as equal an opportunity to happen as anywhere else. No, and that's the one thing that WWE had always played extra safe with him about. And you almost have to wonder, I mean, he has luckily not had any issues mm-hmm. lately with that. I mean, Knock obviously. Yeah, I mean, obviously WWE forced him into retirement until he was proven to be f- completely healthy under their standards by like six doctors. Yes. But that was the smart thing to do on, on their part, which I say, I you know. Oh yeah, you don't want to you don't want a lawsuit. They don't want a lawsuit, but it truly it truly also showed that they did care and yeah. wanted and made sure that he was okay. So they played it smart with him in that aspect, and you know he made his choice that okay when my contract ran out, I mean he honored everything there was. There was once again no hard feelings, no I hate WWE or oh, any yeah. nonsense like that. Yeah, I think the sticking point is he knows that he doesn't want to be wrestling forever. Mm-hmm. He knows that he really wants to do some matches with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's got a lot of dream matches he would like to have, and they're not going to happen with WWE anytime soon. I know there was the rumor that New Japan and WWE were going to team up for some sort of forbidden door type of thing, Mm. but that's not going anywhere. Right. So for Punk, or I mean, I'm sorry, for Danielson, this made a lot of sense. Like, I wasn't that shocked that he left. No. But I was just saying, okay, where is he going to go from here? And if he is only kind of doing a few matches here and there, but he's allowed to do the forbidden door. I think that that is the one thing that enticed him. That I, now, I I think that's that was the biggest you know carrot and fr- carrot on the stick for him was that you know okay AEW's great it's a lot of freedom and creativity. There's also the ability to pretty much go anywhere he wants and wrestle whoever he wants. Yes, and that's a big sticking point for him that I don't blame him at this stage in the career. What else are you going to need to do? You had your WrestleMania moment. Yeah, they'll always go down in history. Yeah. Where else do you go I mean, from he, here? Like I said, he can literally go anywhere and do anything. Whereas with WWE. He can go to some convention and do a, a signing, you know, autograph signature, but there's always the possibility that they yank him and say, nope, can't do that. Yeah. But with all that said now, AEW added three main event players yep. within the course of a month. Mm-hmm. Do you think now this is enough to get them to the next level? It'll help them. You know, it definitely helps them take that next step and, and move up a little bit in, in terms of, like, some sort of ladder or going up a staircase. Are they at the next level yet? No. It it helps with some of the marquee matches and, and talent and, and guys on the roster, which they were already a talented roster to begin with. But I don't think that necessarily takes them to the next level because you still have a women's division that is lacking, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've added Ruby Soho, who is a very good wrestler, but one good tire don't make a car run. Yeah, you know, you, you you still need to work on your women's division, and they're they're improving, they're getting better. Are they where I think they should be? No, 
you still have a tag team division that was lauded as one of your highlights and your in your sticking points and, and one of your points of praise that let's face it I like tag team wrestling I like spot fests you know bucks and and lucha bros are definitely great matches but like you had FTR there for like a year or whatever it was, and now they're off for all intents and purposes. It looks like they're gone. Yeah, it looks like they're gone. They're, we they're we gone. can't confirm that, but that's yeah. all in science purposes. They're they're done, so wasted opportunity there. You've got Santana and Ortiz there, who I've seen in person here in, in, in town. Yeah. You know, they're great. Not really much going with them. So you need to work on your tag team division. And then I think you need to fill out, you know, you need to add some more stuff to your mid-card because, it. yeah, you've got the – the AEW TNT Championship, which listen, Tony Khan can say as much as he wants until he's blue in the face that it's not a mid card title. It's a it's mid card. It's a mid card title. You need something else there. You know, I don't know what it is. Whether it's some other mid card championship, a la an Intercontinental Championship like WWE has, but you need something else there that you can. Hey, we've got matches for the world title, matches for the tag titles, matches for the TNT titles. And whatever other belt you want to come up with, it's just something else there that you can focus some guys on and not just have a bunch of random matches thrown together to fill out two hours. Yeah. I think these are all steps in the right direction short term. I really do. Like, I think this is should be celebrated for a win for AEW completely. Oh, absolutely. I think if anybody tries saying anything different, you're completely wrong. This is a big win for them. Well, I'm not an AEW guy, and I'm saying it's a win for them. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I think that this is steps in the right direction that they can land a big free agent. But the question now becomes, where do we go from here? There is still a lot of names being rumored to be adding to the roster. Mm -hmm. Bray Wyatt is leading that charge. It's heavily rumored. It's, um, it's, I it's, don't know. It's not fact, but that's the thing now. I mean, the thing with Bray, though, I've, I've heard the last couple of days is it might not be as certainty as one might have thought. Well, that's the thing. You don't know him, and that's the rumor mill. But you have to say with all the positive PR that's coming out of this past weekend – it has to be talked in consideration. Sure. And it does make a lot of sense. But at the same point, you're really flooding that main event scene to where is there enough TV time for everybody? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the big question that a young company that we've been very critical on here and on 607 TWS that doesn't have the best storyline or direction. They don't have that definitive person to say, this is the storyline, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. They need that, I think, to make sure they balance everybody out. Yeah. That's going to be one thing. Because you can have all the coolest toys in the toy box. Sure. But somebody's got to organize them so you know what you're playing with. You here. can have a baseball lineup of nothing but home run hitters from top to bottom. But it don't mean shit if they only hit home runs and they're only hitting solo home runs. Exactly. That's the problem that you're going to have. But this is going to be something that a young company is going to have to find that direction direction quick. Am I saying they can't do that? No. I'm saying they have all the potential in the world to do it, but they got to show me how they're going to do that. I, th I think they also need to stay humble and and when things start getting real good for them and they start rising in ratings and doing well and possibly even competing with SmackDown because I think that is a re very real possibility within the next year, year and a half. Um, I, I think you got to not buy into the sunshine getting blown your way and stay humble. Yeah. Because because it's real good when you're on a winning streak and things are going good no matter what sport you're in, but you got to stay humble and you and you got to stay focused. You can't drink your own Kool Aid. Uh huh. That's the biggest thing. Only some fans could take that advice. Yeah, that's gonna be another thing too. I mean, if you really want to try inviting more eyes into your product, your fan base has got to be a little more welcoming and not so toxic, in my opinion. 
because that's a big deterrent for a lot of people. But they made enough strides that they're definitely making some noise, and they won this weekend. WWE did make some noise, obviously, signing Gable Stevenson, yeah, which kind of flew under the radar. But His brother had signed there like a week prior, so that was no surprise. Well, it was real no surprise. We've all kind of expected he's going to go there, and he has the potential to become the next Brock Lesnar. It's just going to be they're playing a lot more long-term than short-term. AEW is striking now while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them on that. They're a young company. You got to get your name out there. You got to do it. At the same token, though, they have to develop and, and get their young talent going because you're going to hit a point where there aren't any more free agent guys to sign. Mm-hmm. That they'll all be signed somewhere, and there's going to be a lull where ain't nobody available. So, like, you got to build your own guys. You can't keep relying on the guys you're signing. Exactly. That's going to be an issue that they're really going to have to address because i think that's going to come back to bite him in the ass sooner than later with only one quote-unquote homegrown talent and that's anthony agogo they really got to start developing their future and you can say well they got adam page they got mjf they do but what have they been doing the last exactly. six months exactly that's going to be another big factor that i've already said mark the tape mjf's good as gone he's not sticking around page you never know i could see it going either way but it all comes back to where are they going to fit in this company and the vision moving forward with all this main event talent they're adding left and right. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give, and for a young company, they're going to need to really make sure they fine-tune everything moving forward. They have all the potential in the world to make a run. Sure. And like I say, this is something for AEW fans that you should be extremely happy about. I'm happy as an AEW fan, but I'm also a fan of pro wrestling. So I appreciate when anybody's doing good. So for them moving forward, they just really need to have a clear-cut vision of what they want to do, make sure that they have enough wrestling time to go around for everybody and appease a roster, mm-hmm. and capitalize on the success you've had this weekend. You had major media coverage everywhere you turned. Capitalize on it. Double in on it. However you need to grow your audience, this is the time to strike. Is WWE worried? No, they're not worried. WWE is doing fine. Is it a is it a minor loss for them with Adam Cole? Yes, because WWE is already an established brand. They will keep moving. They will keep developing new stars. And if you don't think that they already don't have a replacement in mind for Adam Cole's spot mm-hmm. on the roster, you're sadly mistaken because they have a whole division. It's called NXT. It just depends on who's going to get the next push from there. Yeah, They'll be fine. Their business doesn't have to make sense to you. It makes sense to them in their pocketbooks. But this is where the fan comes in and says, well, what are you going to do now? AEW, all they should be focused on is making the best matches possible, the best storylines possible, and grow your audience. So then we say next year, well, you know, All Out 21 was pretty cool, but All Out 22 is going to be even better and even have more buy rates. That's the plan that's got to move forward with it. So in takeaway, a huge weekend for AEW fans. Celebrate. Because you got a lot of dream matches on the table. Let's just hope it doesn't turn into a nightmare sooner than later. So that being said, give us your thoughts on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, all are now all elite. How are you feeling about that, wrestling fans? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, time to round those bases. I got to talk a little football, and I got some unfortunate news, especially for uh, USC fans and New England Patriots fans. Uh, fullback Sam uh, Cunningham, also known as BAM, uh, has passed away Tuesday in Inglewood, California. According to the University of Southern California, he was 71 years old. Uh, no cause of death was immediately available. Uh, reading from an e- article on ESPN.com, uh, quote, Cunningham, who was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1992, is widely recognized for helping speed up the process of integration in football programs Programs across the South. Cunningham ran for 135 yards and two touchdowns as USC beat an all-white Alabama team to open the 1970 season. That performance, coupled with those of his black teammates, was pivotal uh, in Alabama coach Bear Bryant's decision to recruit black players. One of Cunningham's best performances for the Trojans came in the 1973 Rose Bowl when he ran for four touchdowns, earning wow. MVP honors and a 42-17 win. Cunningham was drafted number 11 overall in the 1973 NFL Draft by the New England Patriots and went on to play nine seasons for the team, becoming the franchise's all-time leading rusher. He finished his NFL career with 5,453 yards rushing and 49 touchdowns before retiring after the 1982 season. He was inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame in 1992, the USC Athletics Hall of Fame in 2001, and the Patriots Hall of Fame in 2010 following his playing career. Patriots owner Robert Kraft did put out a a statement saying, quote, We are deeply saddened to learn of yet another loss to the Patriots family this week, and our hearts ache for Sam Cunningham's family and all who are mourning his passing today. Sam Cunningham was one of my favorite players throughout the 70s, and my sons all loved him. After I bought the team in 1994, it was my honor to welcome him back to the team on multiple occasions, recognizing him as a 50th anniversary team member and again for his induction into the Patriots Hall of Fame. As much as I admired him as a player, my affection for him only grew uh, after spending time with him and learning about uh, more learning about more, more about him as a person. He made a tremendous impact both on and off the field and was beloved uh, by his teammates. As a Patriots Hall of Famer, Sam's legacy and contributions will be preserved and celebrated forever, but today his loss is felt with heavy hearts, close quote. Uh, and that was not the only passing the Patriots family had this week. They did lose uh, David Patton uh, earlier this week, who I will say won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. Were it not for his performance in that first Super Bowl, I arguably might not be a Patriots fan. Wow. So I cannot thank David Patton enough, and to both of those individuals and their families, I say thoughts and condolences to you, and rest in peace. Absolutely. Second that, our deepest condolences to their family, friends, and fans all over. So for my base, kicking off now, uh, some UFC action this past weekend. Okay. Now, I know we've been a little quiet with the UFC because they really haven't been doing a lot of pay-per-views. Their next one is scheduled to be on September 25th. Hmm. So we got a couple fight nights in the middle, and really nothing that's moving the needle. However, the main event was definitely something interesting because obviously having in Vegas, um, it was Derek Brunson okay. and Darren Till in a highly anticipated middleweight matchup, yeah. and Derek Brunson wound up getting the submission victory in the third round. Mm. So Darren Till. You know, it's always good to see him in a fight, but, yeah, Derek Brunson just had his number on this one, so not sure. sure, uh, I know he was screaming about a title shot after the fight, but kind of have to wait and see what happens with that uh, in the middleweight division because Israel Adesanya is still your champion. This is true. So be careful what you wish for because Adesanya is on a whole other level. 
And let's close this show out talking about week one of the NFL and it's locks and leaps time. And and Coach is lucky I'm in a nice mood because otherwise I'd make his picks for him. Yes, this is true. Coach is said, and I quote, I will have a blog ready by the end of the week. Uh-huh. So we're holding him to this. I think he's still recovering from Notre Dame's game over the weekend. Yeah, he's like that or trying out for the defense. One well, of the two. We we were trying to talk to him about college football, and I know he was not having it this weekend because you know what can I what can you say that hasn't already been said, folks? This is true. So we have to get on track with our locks and leaps invitational. Got a lot of our content creating friends chimed in, said they want back in. So we'll have those results on Facebook on Tuesday, where everybody ranks after the smoke is all cleared. But week one for the show, where we are talking only one lock and one leap each year, but the competition is two locks and two leaps per week for the Invitational. So, Pad, that all being said, why don't you kick us off? Who's your lock this week? Uh, My lock is going to be the Carolina Panthers uh, defeating the New York Jets. Uh, Currently, the line is uh, the Panthers by five and a half points. And if you listen to last week's show, the Jets fucking suck. Like, not much has changed in a week's time that's made me go, oh, you know what? The Jets might be able to pull this one off. No, like... Is is not great as the Panthers are. They should be able to beat the Jets handedly. Uh, and then for my leap, I'm looking at the Broncos and Giants game. Uh, Giants are at home uh, at 4:25. Home opener for the Giants. Danny Dimes, you know, is back. Saquon Barkley's back. You know, they got that whole a bunch of new players on on uh, offense there. Uh, Denver is currently a three point favorite. Wow. Uh, yeah, Denver's a three point favorite in in the Meadowlands. I don't think they'll be able to do I Coach may like me or he may put me through a table, one of the two. I think the Giants will be able to do it and pull off the week one win. I'm actually shocked. I didn't think the Giants were going to be that big of a dog to home to Denver. Yeah, Denver who's wow. Denver who, congratulations, Teddy Bridgewater's your quarterback, but what the fuck else do you have? Wow, that's mind-blowing to me right now. Congratulations, you're in the final four of like NFL on Fox's best fan-based contest. That ain't going to get you anything. No, definitely isn't. Wow, that's that's a lot to absorb right now. Uh-huh. Just gonna put it out there. Uh, so for my lock, I am taking the Rams. Okay, minus seven and a half over the Bears. Okay. on Sunday night. Uh, listen, Matt Stafford is gonna be better than uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks, Andy Dalton. Uh, but let's just say I don't care that they don't have a running game. It's still the Rams. They're at home. Bears traveling out there. It's going to be a tough time for him. I think the Rams will win this one outright. Mm-hmm. And for my leap, okay. you know I don't like it when teams travel west to Midwest or east. Yep, yep. The Colts are two and a half dogs to Seattle. Ooh. This is going to be an ugly game. Ooh, yeah, well. This is going to be an ugly game. I'm telling yeah, you, this well. is going to be boring yeah. as you know what. Yeah. But I got to take the Colts. I know Dog is going to be screaming at me about this. Yeah, he is. But listen, Russell Wilson traveling never usually is a good sign. And the Colts, we've talked about this numerous times. They're the most boring team in football, but they win. I see that defense giving Russell some fits on Sunday. A lot of good games to be talking about. And obviously keep your eyes on ODPH social media because locks and leaps. The trash talk has already begun And it's only going to get worse from here, and we're all here for it. So make sure, if you are in this year's Invitational, make sure to post your picks online so we can definitely have you in the competition. And we'll see who's going to be holding the trophy at the end of the season. I I echo what Rich said last week. Step your fucking game up. (sighs) Pad wants that smoke, too. 
I tell you what, our group chat, the uh, one we just established with everybody on Twitter, I think is going to get very, very loud over the weekend. Just going to put that out there. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. He's a Green Bay Packers fan. This is true. He has high hopes. He has a lot of new stuff coming out that we're trying to get clearance to uh, kind of announce here on the show. Nickelback cover album. Oh, don't tease me. But, Pat, if I want to find out more about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Tom Jolu. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Floodlands. Yard Party. Shout at the Robots. All the amazing groups you hear on the show each and every week. You can go support them right there. We make it so easy for you. We also say swing on over to the classifieds where you can find friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages because you know my rule. If you're in a group, you say on Twitter, I'm in a group, this is my group, and you're not a pod chaser. Are you really in a group? I think not. So definitely shout out the inner circle, shout out to the apocalypse, and of course, shout out to hashtag 607 podcast and our fam over at 8122 Productions, Rich Ron, Mike C, and of course, Big Natty Cool, still on Twitter pad. Oh boy. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gives you a comfy seat at the table at the Patreon. All of that, new Parlay Points blogs this week. We're looking at at least three coming down. So subscribers are up on that too, by the way. So shout out to everybody that's checking out the Parlay Points. We I definitely appreciate seeing everybody chiming in, giving some feedback on that. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Wrestling fans, enjoy wrestling. Don't take a side. Just enjoy it for what it is. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time, baby.